1: On 30 days of Beyond the Grid, day 18, we're taking you on a trip down memory lane to hear the story of Minardi's miracle at the 2002 Australian Grand Prix. Home hero, Mark Webber, secured a spectacular fifth place finish for the Backmarker team against all odds. It cued jubilant scenes in the paddock, in the pit lane, and even on the podium as fans exploded with euphoria. Just a year earlier, Team boss Paul Stoddart had struggled to get two cars on the grid, let alone qualify or finish a race. So you can understand why Paul gets emotional as he recalls one of the most poignant moments of his career.
2: We were, the, I suppose, the heroes of Melbourne. I mean, Mark was definitely the hero of Melbourne. And this is all the week before the Grand Prix, so we're just expecting to have all the press and all the hype and all the good things that happen when you've got a home... Town boy in me um, as the team owner and a, uh, a home country driver, as in Mark Webber. Um, so, we had a lot of fanfare and everything, and we're, we're worried about the cast. You know, we're, we're knowing that we're going to struggle to get Alex Young, our second driver, to qualify because you still had the 107% rule then. So, we have all the build up. By the time we get to sort of Saturday for the serious stuff with qualifying, It's pouring rain in Melbourne, which does happen from time to time, and I remember talking to the track commentator out the front of the Minardi garages after we'd done our first run, and Mark was uh, in 12th, and Alex was in, I think, 17th, but he was within the 107%, and uh, the track commentator said to me, Paul, I guess you want all these fans to get out there and uh, pray for the sun to come out so you can have another run. I said, hell no, I want to do a rain dance. I want it to stay how it is because we're safely inside the 107%. And I kid you not, all those fans in that stand opposite the main straight literally stood up and did their version of a Mexican wave and the clouds opened up and it poured and that was it. So we were qualified. So I thought, right, we've done our first bit. So the next day, the race. And I thought, right, well, we're in, we've got both drivers in and that really mattered because all our money that year was coming from Malaysian government and, you know, having the Malaysian driver not qualify at the first race would not have gone down very well with our sponsor. So, off we go, famous accident, cars everywhere and our two cars get through and I'm thinking to myself, can't believe our luck. You know, we we might get a, you know, if we're really lucky, might get a top 10 finish here with Mark, but... Not long into the race, about lap three, I find out that Mark's got a terminal differential problem. It wasn't expected to last more than another five or ten laps. So we've got out of the 53 laps we're worrying virtually from lap five that we may find ourselves with a DNF. So anyway, as the race progresses and different other cars pull up, et cetera, et cetera, we find ourselves in the closing laps in fifth place. And not just in fifth place, but we had Mika Salo, who was a driver well-known to me, in the Toyota, which was their first race, right behind in sixth and closing on mark very fast. And we had Alex Young, believe it or not, in seventh. So Minardi was fifth and seventh. So we expected to lose fifth to Salo. And then coming out of turn three, unexplainably, and I've seen it and I've spoken to Mika privately over the years, he spun. And when he spun, he basically spun for no reason there was just no reason for that toyota to spin anyway it cemented us getting um, fifth place now michael schumacher who came to our after party after all that happened that we just did an impromptu party um said after the podium Barrichello, michael and todd invited me and mark into the ferrari garage and uh uh, Michael said, he said, Do you know what, for the last three laps, he said, I thought the race was over. The crowd were on their feet. And he said, I was just catching the diamond screen and they're just focused on, on you, Mark. You know, Nobody cared. And he said, when I won the race, I went up to the podium and yeah, there's a hundreds, maybe a thousand people in front of me. I looked left down the pit lane and there were tens of thousands <laughs> of people down the end with you and Mark. And of course... In Formula One history, it is the not only are they the most as it was in those days two points for fifth place, not only is it the most famous two points in the history of Formula One, but it is the only time there's ever been two podiums in Formula One. Ron Walker, bless him, came up to me and Mark and said come with me, you've got to go up on the podium. Steve Brax, who was the Premier of Victoria at the time, was up there. And he was generally allowed to do two podiums. And I'm immediately thinking, hell, we're going to lose our points here. And I'm saying, Ron, have you cleared this with Max and Bernie? Yes, 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 I've cleared it. I said, are you sure? Because they can strip us for the points. He said, yes, I've absolutely cleared it. So Mark and I, looking somewhat a little bit nervous, go up on the podium. The crowd is just unbelievable. They've now filled the pit lane. And we've got, I don't know, easy 10,000 people standing out there and of course they've got the champagne up there and they gave us boxing kangaroos, believe it or not, um, because they couldn't give us trophies and Australian flag and all that good stuff. And then music started and I thought, oh no, please don't play the national anthem, you know, we will be done for this. And to all expat Australians, the old Qantas theme song I still call Australia home is pretty emotional. And that's what they played. So you had me and Mark in tears, champagne going everywhere, a very happy Melbourne crowd. And still, 21 years later to this day, when I go back to Melbourne each year, people say, you remember when you won that race back in 2002? <laughs> it felt
1: like a win, didn't and it?
2: And it did. And to top yeah. that off, it's the only time I've personally driven my two-seater around a live racetrack. So what was organised on that Sunday was that at midday, I would go and do three laps with a passenger. And so that was all pretty spectacular. But of course, I remember charlie Whiting, bless him saying to me paul don't you go off it's too late we do not have any time to clean the track up whatever you do do not go off so i did the out lap i did the flying lap and on the in lap i started to be stupid and wave to the crowd because they were all going crazy and just coming out of turn three, I'm waving to the crowd and the next thing I'm in the gravel. And I thought, oh, God, if ever there's a God out there, please get me through this gravel. And I managed to drive through it and come out the other side. I did put stones all over the track, but I'm not responsible for I'd that famous first lap incident. What did Charlie say? Um, but, he didn't speak to me. <laughs> but, Paul, of all of the Melbourne Grand Prix I've been to, that is the one. That's the moment. It's it stands um, out. Melbourne Grand Prix, for their 20th anniversary, did a survey. Of the most fantastic moments in the 20 years, we're number one.
1: Absolutely. We a,
2: the, the fifth yep. place with Mark Weber, but also, you know, there was the incident at the first corner. Yep. The,
1: the race just had it all. Even the rain. Well, let, the me, previous let, me day let me tell you something
2: you about. else about that night, right? It was the first race that Murray Walker, the great famous Murray Walker, had not done. And Murray was a good friend of mine. And that particular night, I rang Murray from the track at about nine o'clock in the evening just before I was going over to see the marshals to thank them. And so Murray was in tears. He was in floods of tears because he knew what it meant. And that was a great moment. But then we walked across the other side of the track to the marshals tent where they have their after race party. And the marshals that were down there came and spoke to me, two of them. And they said, do you know what? Once those Minardis went through, there was nothing. We ran out of cranes and they did. And we We, the Marshals, carried that last Sauber off the track so they wouldn't put the red flag out. And that's a true story. The Marshals carried that Sauber. They ran out of all recovery vehicles they had and they still had one car in a dangerous position. And they just grabbed the car, about 16 of them apparently. So I've never been able to find it on the tapes, but I believe the story. And another little story that perhaps might be interesting to your listeners Teams like Minardi don't keep, you know, cases of Moe Chardon or Verve Clicquot. We don't have champagne. Um, because what for? We're not going to use it. And that day, I realised, it was literally as we passed the cheque of fag, that we needed some champagne. And I literally said to our catering staff, go and borrow some champagne. Tom, they didn't have to. All the other, I still get emotional now. All the other teams were walking down with cases of champagne. Oh, really? True story.
1: Wow. Even to this day, Paul gets tearful when reflecting on that miraculous day in Melbourne. How incredible that the other teams gave them champagne and they were given their own podium to celebrate a magnificent result. Formula 1 teams are fiercely competitive with each other and the rivalries are intense. But when special moments like that happen, it's touching to see everyone come together and be happy for each other's success. And if you enjoyed that chat, then you should definitely listen to the full interview with Paul from last year. He shares some insight into Fernando Alonso, having given the two-time world champion his F1 debut in 2001. And he also tells a brilliant story about the time he was driven in a two-seater F1 car behind Michael Schumacher. The link to the episode is in the description, so do check it out. I promise you won't regret it. And make sure you follow F1 Beyond the Grid, because tomorrow you'll hear from a Colombian cult hero. Keep up with the latest F1 action on F1 Nation. A superb finish to the line! Race previews, post-race insights and exclusive interviews from the heart of the F1 paddock. Magnificent team effort all round. Huge win for us today. We're pushing at the limit. We must have just got something wrong. Oscar, can we just grab you on the way out? A very, very cool day. It's been a weekend to remember. You'll hear from the drivers, team principals, engineers and F1 experts from around the world
0: really, really nice to feel that atmosphere there in the garage.
1: Having the two of them in the points, quite impressive. Those next few positions are worth millions of dollars. The combination is unbeatable. New episodes every Monday. Search your podcast app for F1 Nation.